This week, Manchester United 0, Paris Saint-Germain 2. What a game we had. This is the level of performance we've been waiting for all of these years. We're there. Can we stay there? Well, we're going to talk about this game while watching Saint-Etienne Paris Saint-Germain. This is PSG Talking. Post Manchester United Paris Saint Germain, which is going to be uh, mostly the subject of our discussions today. Uh, with me, we have the amazing Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Matthew. Hello, Guillaume. How's it going? <laughs> and uh, and and uh, uh, Mel was back. Hello, Mel. Hello. Good to be back. And you two are, in fact, amazing. So it's exciting to be here. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah. while, we, while we are recording this, um, I'm probably going to be a little bit distracted, which is bad because I'm hosting. Uh, Association Sportive de Saint-Étienne is uh, playing Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain without Verratti. So the midfield is uh, sort of Marquinhos uh, Paredes. And uh, 33 minutes in, still no, no, no. Good game, very good game, very fun to watch. Uh, Tuchel doing doing Tuchel things, but um, I'm not sure we'll we'll cover this today. Probably not. Uh, next next episode. So, oh boy, oh boy, what a game! Oh boy, what a game! Um, I assume both of you watched it. Absolutely, certainly did. All right. Um, I watched uh, half of the first half. I was at work, sweating. Uh, not because of work, because, <laughs> because, of, because of the game. Bit too, bit too much information, Guillaume. Yeah. Uh, my, my client was looking at me with, like, like what is wrong <laughs> with this guy? Um, Tuesday, February the 12th, in Manchester, England. Manchester United against Paris Saint-Germain. Final score, 0-2. First goal, Kimpembe on a Di Maria corner kick. Second goal, Kylian Mbappe on a Di Maria pass. What a pass. What a pass. Seven yellow cards for Manchester United. Two for Pogba. Um, only four to Paris Saint-Germain. And amazingly, Verratti didn't get one. <laughs> That's incredible. That was, that was amazing. And I, I, he, he became one of my... Uh... You know, Angel Di Maria was my man of the match, but he was—he was—he got the silver medal, Verratti, because we know that when he gets engaged, um, that we tend to get some of these cards, and when games are like this, we tend to get some of these cards. But you're right—that amazingly, not this time. Um, oh my God, there was a oh my God, there was a criminal tackle on Mbappe as you as you were speaking, Mel. I'm sorry. I think he's okay. Um, so Verratti didn't get a, a yellow. Uh, we had um, we had an incredible game, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, formations and lineup. 
Uh, I think Manchester United was playing 4-3-3, uh, which is pretty classical for them. Lineup was De Gea in the goals, Young, uh, right back, Bailey, Lindelof, central defense, Shaw, left back, pretty classical. Matic as a six, Herrera and Pogba, completing the midfield and up front, the classic uh, Rashford, nine, Martial as left forward and uh, Lingard as right forward. We uh, line up with Buffon in the goals, Bernat left back, Kimpembe Silva central defense, Kerr right back, Marquinhos Verratti as real midfielders, kind of, Di Maria Draxler, Alves, and Mbappé up front. It was... Supposedly, in the press, in the media, it was announced Paris is going to play in 4-2-3-1. We didn't play in 4-2-3-1. We didn't play in 4-3-3. We didn't play in 3-4-3. We didn't play in 4-2-2. We played in all of these. And that's too hell for you. Uh, we, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have a formation. We had formations according to what was going on on the pitch. Uh, it was strange to see Alves. Not strange. He's done it before as a... Um, as a ha, hybrid between right midfielder and right forward. And um, it was an asymmetric setup by Tuchel. Uh, oh, my God, the game is... Uh, oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt myself. <laughs> but uh, Alves got, like, punched in the face and he's bleeding. The game is out of control. For this um, minute, uh, Saint-Etienne, Paris Saint-Germain. So the, you're going to play, you're gonna have to play the breaking news. Yeah, breaking header. news. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. He just, oh, and Paredes was on the, oh my goodness. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. The, the, Wabby, the, yeah, Wabby Casbury, what are you doing, man? Oh, the, my goodness. Uh, just whacked, whacked poor Danny Alves in the face. Unbelievable. Poor, poor Danny Alves. <laughs> poor Danny Alves, exactly. What's he ever done to anyone? Like... <laughs> He's such an innocent guy, and he just gets that. Anyway, oh, anyway, let's go back to uh, it's okay to uh, to uh, the Manchester United game. Um, before I, you know, give you the, the the baton and and you give us your insight on the game, I just want to say I will never be worried ever again about a Paris Saint Germain uh, big game ever. Um, we may, of course, lose some, and all. I'll never be worried like I used to be. This game gave me the what I've been waiting for for years and years and years and years. If we can do this, we, we're going to do it again. It's going to be difficult to be in that zone, that ultra-competitive zone where you win those games. But we did it in a, in a very, very, very important game, an away game at a huge club for a huge match. And uh, we couldn't barely have done anything better. It was... To me, close to perfect. Um, Mel, what's your what's your take on this game? Yeah, my you know, you began by talking about February twelfth, but I think one of the reasons the game was so significant, one of the reasons you were sweating at work, <laughs> was <laughs> the build up to the game, right? And this idea of who PSG was without uh, certain people on the pitch, um, and you know the the narrative, particularly in the English press. Uh, of a resurgent under uh, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, Manchester United. You know, Manchester United that was fulfilling its potential uh, in a post-Mourinho era where 
maybe, you know, we were beginning to worry or think, are we ever going to reach our potential with all these injuries, right? So we come in with all of that narrative uh, on top of, you know, the straight-up sporting statistics, right? The straight-up sporting statistics about French clubs at Manchester United who have never won in any form of European competition. Uh, and indeed, in the Champions League, um, lost eight out of ten visits to uh, to Old Trafford uh, with two ties. So you've got Fortress Old Trafford on top of, you know, the public media narrative, and you come in and, you, and you're, you're right to sweat. I was sweating, too. <laughs> there but, you go. Uh, Tuchel uh, uh, could be argued to be man of the match for all the reasons you've already mentioned. Um, the work that he's done, and don't forget, in a in a post World Cup year, right? In a post World Cup year, yeah, yeah, you have a guy who yeah. so he has less time with the entire squad in the run up to the season, but in the run up to the season and across the season, has imposed his philosophy in such a way uh, that. He's gotten uh, superstars um, who tend to think individually uh, or in small clusters uh, to think and prepare to operate as a team. Um, and they're happy to do it. They celebrate this guy in the pre- and post-match conferences, um, something that I have really never seen in the modern PSG era. Um, that combined with um, what I think was a, uh, an intelligent, manage the game approach in the first half um, led to, you know, for a variety of reasons on the Manchester United side and an ability for them to manage our folks um, and their, and, and their skill and, and, and the outcomes came from both the strategy and the talent, which is what I like when we win. Uh, you know, it came from the strategy and the talent. So it's not just uh, the fact that Mbappe is probably from an acceleration standpoint, the fastest forward uh, in the five top leagues. Um, but the strategy that manipulated Ashley Young in, that allowed the pass to Di Maria, that then allowed the incredible pass to Mbappe, yeah. that was a strategic uh, outcome as well as a talent-based one. So for me, um, I, I am where you are in that I now, uh, my psychology is such that I don't really fear much uh, going forward, regardless, because I feel like we've got the tactical approach and the players' buy-in and commitment to that tactical approach that allow us to really uh, compete, no matter what the situation or circumstance. Well said, Mr. Gooding. Your take on the game, your your feelings. Was it as satisfying for you too, as it is? For, yeah, it is what for us. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I was like the least sweaty member of the uh, podcast because I wasn't. <laughs> I did kind of think we'd get a result because I, as I said last time we recorded, mm. I just don't think Man United are that good. I know like they got a lot of good forwards, but I think you look at that midfield apart from Pogba and you look at that defence and you're like, mm, we definitely got a chance there. But having said that, I think our performance exceeded my expectations, and I think um, as Mel just said, I think. Uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but Tuchel, for sure, the man of the match. I think it's like really interesting that I didn't know that much about him apart from the obvious before he came to us. And I think uh, compare when you compare him to the previous sort of incumbent and sort of maybe the sort of managers we've been linked with before, you know, he the thing which has surprised me is that he's not like a massive sort of... He doesn't seem like a massive idealist. He doesn't seem to have a really defined style in the sense that you would say Guardiola or someone like Sarri or someone like that, not a really 
hundred percent we're going to play like this every week and we're going to be better than the opposition. He's, I think what's really impressed me is his pragmatism, the way he can sort of, there's obviously common themes of the way we play and blah, 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 but he just, the little changes he can make for every match, which seem to more often than not be really effective. And obviously the way he set up on, on last Tuesday was just absolutely spot on with Di Maria stretching the pitch one side and then Danny Alves on the other side. And, um, yeah, just a really impressive and a really um, enjoyable evening for, for, for all involved of a, of a PSG persuasion, I think. Yeah, it's difficult to to know, you know, there was, when he when he got hired by Paris Saint-Germain, people were talking about the Tuchel way of playing. We don't really know what it is anymore. Um, and it, it's not a bad thing, it's just a statement of fact. He, he always had to improvise. But he has... He has become the master of improvisation, I mean, uh, and of opportunism. Um, he's incredibly practical and opportunistic. W- would you agree with that? It's, it's, it's yeah. absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah, yeah keep, keep going, Matt. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and that's just really impressed me, like how he's managed to do that with Obviously, the squad, you know, the issues of our squad have been talked about, you know, quite a lot before in terms of the amount of player power at the club and blah, blah, blah. But he seems to have got really good buy-in really quickly, as Mel said in the World Cup year as well, where he hasn't had the whole pre-season to work with the whole squad. And um, I just, I mean, maybe that is, I, as I say, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't claim to be an expert on Tuchel's career uh, prior to joining us, but maybe this is, maybe that's just what he does. Maybe he's just the guy who sort of... Uh, you know, he looks at what he's got and he makes the best of it. And so far, he's doing an excellent job and uh, long may it continue. Well, you, you would think that's what most uh, coaches do. Well, Or, maybe, or you, I... you, you, you're this great philosopher of football like Guardiola and you want to impose your style wherever you go. Um, but I guess, you know, it's like uh, film directors. How many film directors have, have the final cut in Hollywood? Probably nobody anymore. Maybe one guy. Well, in football, that's Guardiola. Um, Tuchel probably doesn't, but Bernat was uh, was old Tuchel, and uh, we we everybody was making fun of Bernat when he joined the club, uh, the media we were, and look at him now. Since um, we lost or he retired, Maxwell, who was a, a genius of a left back, um, perfect for for Paris Saint Germain for for possession playing as a relayed uh, guy, whether he was a, a left-back or, or left midfield, it didn't really matter. Um, well, Bernat is coming close to that, and he's been one of the pieces of that puzzle, allowing the team to be where it's at right now, and that's to hell. Marquinhos, as, as a DM, my God, remember that feeling we had after Liverpool-Paris Saint-Germain. We were like, oh, no, this reminds us, you know, the blanc years and all the failed experiment. Look at Marquinhos now and the game he just had in Manchester. Unbelievable game by Marquinhos. Unbelievable game. The, the team had a great half, a second half, not so much of a first half. Di Maria came, came alive in the second half. Alves came alive in the second half. Marquinhos was there the entire game. Playing as a close to world class defensive midfielder, uh, facing the game, doing the passes, even Verratti couldn't. He had an absolutely incredible game. This is completely to hell. 
So we've been talking about this game for the, for 10 minutes already. All we're talking about so far is really Thomas Tuchel. And um, I, don't, I don't want to jinx it. There's, you know, there's a, honey, there's a second honeymoon going on between PSG fans and, and Thomas Tuchel. And there's going to be tough times again. We, we, you know, it always happens. But, so let's remember when the tough times come back of this time. All, all is done considering the situation, considering the, what was given to him or not given to him when he joined the club and what, what he has done. And, and let's not kill him too much when times are tough and, and takes things in perspective. But let, let's go back to the game itself. I want to talk about some stats. During the game, Manchester United had 263 successful passes. Paris Saint-Germain had 326. Manchester United had one shot on target. One shot on target the entire game. We had five. Manchester had a total of four shots. Total. We had 11. They had 10 crosses. We had 14. They had 45 and a half possession. We had 54.6 possession. They won 33 duels. We won 30. The only segment of the game they dominated was uh, the air. By far, they, they won like two-thirds of all the, all the duels. Um, it was a game in two halves, clearly. What did you think was happening during the first half? We'll go back to, to Mel. What were your feelings? What were you expecting after like 20, 30 minutes uh, in, within the, the first half? Well, you know, my sense of Manchester United is it actually, you know, from what I've seen, um, they uh, go more uh, how Lingard goes yeah. than they go more how Pogba goes, right? So Pogba is a force that um, you want to neutralize because you want to control the midfield. But really, um, if Lingard is successful in his runs, in his ability to get behind the defense, and if it's in his ability to then uh, stretch defenses to create space, um, that Manchester United tends to be more successful. So, you know, one of the first things I noticed about the first half was, you know, for the most part, there was a lot of energy, you know, there was a lot of uh, trying to run us down by uh, Martial Lingard uh, and others, but there wasn't a lot of success. Um, and so I felt as if um, this was an opportunity for us to adjust, and that's one of the additional hallmarks of Tuchel. Uh, uh, for the second half. But the first half for me uh, was very much about, you know, how are we managing these runs? Um, and I felt that we were uh, supremely organized to manage those uh, and then, you know, take a look uh, at halftime and readjust uh, to go forward. And that's what we did. So, so you, you were somewhat confident? Yeah, the first half the didn't half. bother me. The first half felt like a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing uh, for Manchester United. Um, mm. I, I, right. uh, I felt like, you know, if we, if we have effectively managed their ability to make runs with their most dynamic players, um, then we should be straightforward. And, to, and, and, and you're right in that, you know, Pogba as a force was relatively taken off the board. I thought Marquinhos did a great job all match of managing not only his relationship with Verratti, but really his relationship with Danny Alves as well, right? Um, letting Alves stay a little bit forward and managing the midfield uh, completely. So I, I felt very comfortable with that. Matthew, um, after 20 minutes in the first half, what, 
how did you feel? Were you still confident and, and did the, the first half reinforce your feeling that Man U, well, they're not, they're not that good? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I wasn't too worried uh, during the first half either. I think it was kind of weird because it was sort of the opposite of the Liverpool game, you know, where we mm -hmm. beat them in the sense that in that game, we bashed up Liverpool in the first half. And then in the second half, we sort of soaked up a lot of pressure without conceding True. that many chances. Whereas this time, it felt like they they were sort of in the ascendancy before half time, but they weren't really getting to us. So we were just sort of playing in front of us quite a lot, which... I wasn't too worried about. And um, yeah, uh, I think a lot of our problems in the first half, we just looked a little bit nervous. I wonder if we were trying a bit too hard because there were so many times where they just overplayed trying to play out from the back, sort of, which they can usually do quite well, but they just sort of gave the ball away. And then we seemed to be, when we did get forward, we seemed to be trying to force it sort of in the final third, play that sort of killer pass or, you know, break the lines or what have you. So I think I always thought, I always felt that like, if we could sort of keep going like that and um, once we got into our stride would be okay. Um, admittedly, I didn't think we'd go on to win quite so comfortably and probably be disappointed for it to only be two nil. Because I think, I don't know if you'd both agree. I think we probably should have got at least one more goal and then yeah. probably wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a question of what's going to happen in the second leg sort of thing. So I was, yes. yeah, it's, it's I not a question, but whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, We'll no, this is, this, is later, but no, this is over. Yeah, this is over. Yeah, yeah. I think it, rationally it probably is, but I'm just saying another goal would have been nice. So sure. I was quite happy. I was quite happy with the first half performance, really. And um, it's quite interesting because a lot of the narrative over here has been, oh well, Man United were doing quite well, and then they had to take Lingard and uh, Martial off injured, and um, if that hadn't happened, then they might have won, sort of thing. And I didn't really see it like that at all. I mean, and also they've got. Lukaku and Sanchez on the bench mm. I mean you might you know say what you like about them in terms of their form or their quality or what have you but both extremely expensive players good options to have on the bench and we didn't have anyone on the bench really you know our injury problems are well publicized and um, the only option we had was Chupo Moting so uh, you know I, I, I think like people over here have been quite generous to Man United really because even in the first half where they were sort of having the better of it, they weren't really hurting us. And I didn't really feel all that threatened, although obviously, at, you know, at nil nil anything can happen. But it wasn't like they were sort of making Buffon uh, work really hard or anything. I mean, I think you, you're making a great point comparing the, this game with the Liverpool game, which is the opposite. And that kind of tells us that we've learned to control a game or to write yeah. our own story in a game. Um, Liverpool, we, we happen to, to score early. And again, um, having spent a, a phenomenal amount of energy, and now we know, well, we cannot maintain that level of energy, but at the same time, we don't want to lower it too much so we get scored. Um, Liverpool is going to score. So we maintain what's needed in terms of intensity and focus, and we control the second half. It looks like this time, the first 10 minutes, Verratti had an awful game. Di Maria was nowhere to be found. We had a difficult first 10 minutes to get us in the game. Every game is a different story. It's, it's going to be a matter of how you're feeling physically, mentally, and same thing for all, all of your teammates, and same thing for the opponent. 
And, um, well, sometimes, even if you prepare that game really well, somehow the, the whole team is not in sync. And it took Paris Saint-Germain 10, 15 minutes to start being in sync. And then we were very in sync, but trying to adapt and absorb. Manchester United may not be the best team in the world, but they are a very good team. And we, we did the reverse of that Liverpool game. This is new, guys. We, um, we couldn't do this a few months ago. Um, so on top of our improvement in focus, in the level of focus everybody has, there's no massive drop in concentration anymore. They, they're like on top of their game. They up the energy level. They up the, the sacrifice. Like I'm, I'm playing for my teammate. Now they have upped their football IQ as a team within a game, saying what's happening and what needs to be done. This is huge. This is huge. But I, I don't want to draw conclusions because, well, we've never seen Paris play like this and get such a spectacular result in an away game at a spectacular club like this. I'm, I'm sorry, the, the, the previous victory away was Leverkusen, I think. Am I... Mel, you always know these things. Am I, am I right? No, I'm that's getting... correct. That's correct. That, that's that, my understanding. That was, that's correct. That was 38 years ago. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't seen that level of control, teamwork, tactical play, involvement. Uh, name it. I mean, there's a long list. I've, I've never seen Paris, whether... Ancelotti was at, at the helm, or Blanc, or Fruitcake, or Tuchel. I've, I've, I've never seen Paris play like this. As a matter of fact, I, I was waiting for this since the Raiwea Ginola years, where I saw Paris going to Bayern Munich and do a game like this. Well, so Phenomenal. You just stole my thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember that game, and I remember, again, being dominated by Italian teams, not in the game, the final result, where they, right. we were dominating them, dominating them, we were pushing, we were giving it all, creating opportunities, but never scoring, and they would, uh, you know, weather the storm, and a window of opportunity, boom, 1-0, and we keep it, boom, 2-0, we've done this. And in many ways, we've done to Manchester United what Real Madrid did to us last year. And um, this looks good, guys. This looks very, very, very good. I don't want to be, I don't want to be too optimistic, but this looks well, it's, really, it, the, really the, good. The, 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 the difference for me is, and you, 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 say, you say, you talk about Tuchel like we don't want to jinx it, right? And I understand that. But at the same time, what's just undeniable for me is, you know, when things happen for the first time in a long time, I understand exactly and precisely why things happen, right? So with previous coaches that we've had, you sort of left with this uh, understanding gap between, you know, what you see on the pitch and what, you know, what kind of talent we have and the kind of coach we have. And we're like, well, why is, why is that happening? Why, why is that the result? Why is it? The situation where, for example, you know, we tend to give up these goals past the 80th minute, you know, which, mm. is a, which used to be a feature, 
uh, <laughs> a feature, uh, not yeah. a bug, a feature of Harry Sanderman teams. Um, but right now I feel confident because I feel comfortable that I understand what it is that we're doing. I feel right. like the, the players understand what it is that we're doing and that there is this incredible mix and tension between everybody being positioned to do the best that they are, that they are capable of doing, yep. and yep. to support their teammates. Uh, and it's just the right culture and the right feeling and the right attitude and the right approach. And, um, you know, it was no mistake that we had that undefeated run at the beginning of the season that we had because things were positioned, positioned well. Um, I also want to make sure I say before we go too far that um, part of this, I also believe, is um, the extraordinary individual that Kylian Mbappe is, yeah. I think, both on and off the pitch. Yeah. Right? So on the pitch, we know, for example, that you know the number of goals he scored in the Champions League um, at the age of 20 uh, is more than double the next closest uh, person uh, who is uh, well, it's tied between Raul and Benzema. Uh, Mbappe has 14 Champions League goals at the age of 20. Uh, Raul and, and Kareem Benzema were at six. Messi had two. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo didn't have any yeah, zero. at the age of right? So we know that. But also this, you know, the language that comes from this young man, you know, who says, you know, at the, at the, after, the, after the game, he says things like, you know, there is no reason for us to be afraid. And yeah. we need to go assert ourselves as a French club and get all that destiny has for us. We need to just go get it, you know. Um, all that combined with the, his camaraderie, um, I think um, I think he has had a positive impact on Neymar's time at Paris. That's how positive yeah, uh, this I young man right. has been for where the organization is going. So yeah, you you, you see there's something between the two players, um, a, a joy of playing, of playing together, of playing for the club. I mean, there's um, a lot of positive things happening at Paris Saint Germain right now. Um, Matthew. Did you share that feeling of clarity, like Mel described, by when watching us against Manchester? Like you had the feeling every player knew what to do. Every player was put in the right setup, right position, um, and and that it's kind of a new thing at Paris Saint Germain too. I, I had that feeling. I don't know if you did. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that's to, to the coach's credit. Obviously, like I said earlier, that he's managed to get buy-in from all these guys you know some of whom as you know big egos etc um to carry out his plan and to believe that his plan will work and you know so far so good um i think it was interesting you mentioned real madrid as well and you know it was 100 percent the sort of kind of performance which they sort of did mm-hmm. to us last season and i actually saw on the night i saw two different people on twitter say oh this psg team have got a bit of the Uh, Real Madrid from 2017-18 sort of season about them in the sense that you know we just sort of we weren't always like we weren't 100% dominant from start to finish but we looked comfortable and we got the job done in a sort of really comfortable fashion I mean when I think when people from outside the the club and outside the fan base are saying that then I think that's really quite a um, quite a sort of compliment to to the work Tuchel's been doing so so yeah definitely there's definitely a clarity there I think I feel like with Ancelotti, when he was manager, I feel like we had quite a lot of clarity, but everything was sort of 
geared around obviously Zlatan and getting the ball to Zlatan and blah blah blah. But I think the last, I think with Blanc and, and Emery, uh, it was never really the case. So yeah, I think definitely uh, so far Tuchel's a hundred percent an upgrade in that uh, department. Yeah, Matt. You know what? I think that's a very fair point. I think I, I I would agree with that. I would think that the last time we had that clarity was probably Ancelotti, but it was in a very singular direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. It wasn't um, if it, if there was no Zlatan, it was always uh, problematic, from what I recall. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I think the the flexibility that we've talked about and the sort of yeah, just the sort of the, the sort of practical the practical mindset of uh, of Tuchel is certainly serving us well at the moment. The only player who has played out of position was Kylian Mbappé. Despite the fact we were missing Neymar and Cavani, that Meunier was also unavailable, um, that we didn't have a... Well, I'm, I'm saying that and, and not mentioning that Marquinhos was played out of position, but he's not now because Marquinhos is becoming the new Mascherano and can be played can be played in midfield or in central defense with the same level of performance, which is unbelievable and resolves so so many problems we had with, with this team. But um so the only player out of position was Mbappe, who's not a pure nine yet. And in one of the most important games of Paris Saint Germain, because Imagine the investment of, of Mbappé and Neymar and, and yet again being out of the Champions League in rounds of, not even quarterfinals, round of 16. It, it, it's such a blow. It would be such a blow at every level. Incredibly important game. And Mbappé, all the pressure on him. No Neymar, no Cavani. All the, the hopes of scoring rely mainly on Mbappé and a little bit on Di Maria because we know he likes these big games and, and he can deliver. And he, as a matter of fact, if he, he freaking had with two assists. But Mbappé, and, and I, I still, I'm still in denial with him. Uh, in the World Cup final, I'm like, well, only the greatest players score in World Cup finals. And if he's really what people say he is, he's going to score. He did. What a, what a goal, too. And he had a remarkable World Cup. And with Monaco, he scored uh, uh, twice against Dortmund, twice against City, once against Juve. And he's still doing it. And again, with all the pressure, he delivered. I mean, the goal he scored is a, is a pure nine goal. Of course, it helps to have the sprinting abilities of an Olympic sprinter. He start the action is is forty uh, feet behind Manu's central defense, and he beats them. And Di Maria knows he's going to beat them, and Di Maria puts the ball exactly exactly where it was needed. Go, guys, the second goal. I'm, I'm going a little bit all over the place because I want to talk about tactics a bit more. The second, the first goal is a two hell goal because if you watch it over and over again, you see it's, it's been rehearsed. You see that Kimpembe is doing um, a faint. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay in the middle. Comes out, loses Matic, comes around, and Di Maria delivers the ball right there. Because Di Maria knows Kimpembe is going to be there. That's rearest. That's Tuchel. Second goal, the way we, we went around um, Manchester United block, they have a really, really fantastic central block. 
and uh, uh, Tottenham tried to go through that axis, the center of the pitch. Matic and Herrera stay there all the time. They're very difficult to press through. Uh, one thing they're not good is when we move them from uh, a team moves them from the right to the left, then they tend to lose their defensive block, and they did nine passes. Uh, Bernard IQ. Uh, being being a central midfielder on on the action, like he sees the space, gets in. Kimpembe gives him the ball, boom boom, pass pass pass. Di Maria on the left, incredible pass. This is Tuchel again. Two goals, two Tuchel goals. But anyway, I was talking about Mbappe. Yeah, um, no need to be afraid, guys, anymore. N- not only we have one player like this, we have we have two now. I'm talking about the mantle, the mantle level. Um, of course, we know Neymar and Mbappe are incredible players, but mentally, they're phenomenal. And for their teammates, the feeling they must have, it's like not much can really happen to us with, with these guys. Um, he hasn't been on the podcast for a long time, but a month ago, Terry said, guys, it could be the year. And you know, I heard that before, but I don't know. There was something in his voice. <laughs> there was some like... No, there was there was something there. Anyway, let's yeah, talk about. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Matt. You. No, I was just going to say. I think I took the piss out of Terry a bit for saying that we were going to win the Champions League, but now I'm starting to come around to his way of thinking. So yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Um, all the lights are green. Yeah. They, they can they can turn red very easily. Oh, oh, pass the ball, pass the ball. Oh my God. It could have been, uh, yeah, zero zero steal. It's a good drag- game. Draxler, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're behind me. Uh, yeah, you should have scored, shouldn't you? Hey? You should have scored. You didn't. Anyway, let's do a player review. We never had an audio jingle before. I'm very excited. So to introduce this new segment of the podcast, I have a jingle. Hold on, and here it is. Palacio se la da y Caleri se va. Se va para el gol o Tevez. Caleri o Tevez. Caleri o Tevez. Tevez no. Caleri, 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 Caleri. Cantalo, 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 cantalo. That's the man of the match. That's a man of the match jingle. I have a few others, but I'm going to spare them. Who was for you the man of the match? Mel. You know, man of the match is is. Uh, for me, is is pretty clear, and that's uh, Angel Di Maria uh, for me. Um, Marquinhos uh, did a great job across the whole match, eliminating uh, Pogba and disrupting midfield, as did Verratti uh, uh, with throwing his body on the line and not getting any fat, not getting any cards. Um, I felt like uh, Mbappe uh, after that first. Uh, 10 minutes really understood the runs he wanted to make against this club uh, and stretched defenses and obviously had uh, an incredible goal. I felt like uh, Kim Pembe did yeoman's work, but uh, Di Maria uh, is the reason we are up to two nil um, with two away goals at Old Trafford. Um, he, uh, and this is a player who I have been uh, uh, inconsistent in my support of Um but in big matches against Napoli and then again against Manchester United, he shows uh, the class um, that he demonstrated at, at, at Real Madrid um, for us and has demonstrated for us. He showed it again, and I thought he was uh, uh, the, the difference maker and thus my man in the match. 
Matthew? Um, for me, I think that, well, first of all, I enjoyed Di Maria's performance, uh, especially because the Man United fans seem to hate him for no obvious reason. I mean, he wasn't amazing <laughs> for them, but he wasn't like disastrous either. I remember that season quite well, and they don't know why they've taken such a dislike to him, but it was, uh, it was quite funny to see him rub it in their faces. Uh, enjoyed that a lot. But um, I think my man of the match was Marco Verratti. I mean, I was very pessimistic about what sort of contribution he was going to make to this game just because of our prior experience of him coming back from injuries and not being as good as he, he can be. And obviously, we know all about his lifestyle issues as well, that possibly his, his natural fitness isn't the best. So for him to put in a shift for like 75 minutes, considering he only played one game uh, you know, prior to that and then been out for a, know, a month or six weeks, wasn't it? But um yeah, I thought he was really impressive. I thought his defensive work was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and obviously all his other stuff, which we know he can do, uh, was really good as well. So uh, for me, he was definitely the man of the match. And uh, the fact that he didn't get a yellow card either was just sort of the icing on the cake. Um, I've got a bit of a theory about that, that he's like, you know, like uh, the book Dorian Gray uh, by Oscar Wilde, where he's got a mirror and the mirror, the image in the mirror ages and he never ages. I think uh, for Marco on the night, I think all the other players were yeah. sucking up all the yellow cards and Marco was just running around like happy little fellow. So, uh, so yeah, great performance from him. And uh, I thought he was the best player on the pitch for 75 minutes. Um, it, 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 it would have been a big deal. I mean, especially in the first half when if I still don't know, because he would have been suspended uh, second leg. Interestingly, my man of the match is not uh, Di Maria, is not Verratti, it's Marquinhos. Um, I, I, I'm speechless about his performance. So man marking a midfielder is not, no big deal for a central defender, especially for a very, very mobile one. And Marquinhos is so freaking mobile, he's so fast. No, he's, it's, it's his passing. We had never seen really his passing game, some hints here, here and there, as a central defender. Now, not only is comfortable facing the opposition in, under pressure, but he's showing that his short passing and his long passing are excellent. Excellent. The tempo, the quality of the pass, the, the choice of the player he's passing to. I mean, the whole game, absolutely Remarkable performance by Marquinhos. And um, I'm, I'm giving him the man of the match uh, PSG Top Trophy because, um, because Di Maia has done it before. It, it's, of course, it's, it's amazing to have that feeling. Well, Neymar is, is out. A lot of pressure on Di Maia. Can he deliver? Boom, he delivers again. Uh, in the World Cup against France, he delivered. In the big games, he's not always going to deliver, but often. But let's not remember, let's not forget, I'm sorry, his first half, which was pretty poor. Okay, he came, he came alive in the second half, and we'll, we'll probably um, analyze why after that. But um, his first did half it, was what? Did Dave tell you to say that? Because obviously he hasn't been on the podcast for a while to, you know, hate on Di Maria. Did he, uh, did he no, send you an email? I th- you know what? <laughs> I think, I think he... he he'll, He's changing his mind on, on how can you not? <laughs> he doesn't it's like cool. the guy. He's very annoying, for sure. Uh, but the player, I mean, imagine Paris Saint-Germain without Di Maria right now. But anyway, yeah, because of his first half, I'm giving the trophy to 
to Marquinhos and um, oh my god Saint-Etienne almost scored amazing save by, by Dagba who, uh, who, who, uh, who gets my award for most confident uh, Champions League debut he came on the pitch <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. the other day and just seemed very confident very comfortable uh, I think that's a lot to do with Tuchel's system as well and uh, yeah he just made a great save today <laughs> Um, <laughs> or at least got at least got in the way, and 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 to to claw the man of the match segment with this amazing jingle, um, <laughs> Verratti had a great game, of course. Uh, he, he came out at the seventieth. He was completely fried. He couldn't he couldn't even stand. Paredes came in, and uh, congratulations, hats off to Paredes for his last twenty minutes. I didn't see a huge difference without Verratti, uh, control. And that's what you know, Paredes is good at. He's an eight. Uh, congratulations to Paredes. But, yeah, of course, great, great game uh, by Verratti. But difficult start, some uh, unusual mistakes at the beginning. Uh, so that's why, that's why uh, Marquinhos gets my uh, man of the match mention. Let's talk about older players. Let's do a quick review. What, what I'm trying to get from you is like your level of satisfaction. Um, Mel, start. You know, you know uh, I, I would give um, Di Maria a, a 9 out of 10. I would give uh, Mbappe an 8 out of 10, Verratti an 8 out of 10, and Marquinhos an 8 out of 10. Surprisingly, I'd give Tilo Kerrer an 8 out of 10. Um, I'd give President Kimpembe a 7 out of 10 only because he uh, placed us in red card jeopardy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would give Thiago Silva an 8 out of 10. I'd give Buffon an 8 out of 10. He didn't really have much to do. Um, uh, Danny Elvez a 7 out of 10. Bernard a 7 out of 10. And Draxler a 6 out of 10 just because I feel like I expect more. Uh, from from Draxler um, and in the last few performances both in and out of Europe I, I, we haven't gotten what we need to get out of him in that role um, I feel like he's settled a little bit for a non-starting role most of the time and what we need from him actually is a pu- he needs to be pushing for a starting role and pushing our better players all the time So, um, and then I want to give a negative 4 out of 10 to, to to Laven Kurzawa because I always want to give I always want to be mad <laughs> mad at him for his incredible gap between his talent and where he finds himself on on the bench and just just disappoints me all the time. So fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, but is, they don't get a rating they weren't on long enough. Poor so. Kurzawa, Matthew, uh, your level of satisfaction per line or per per player. Yeah, um, I like the uh, I like that description of Kazar. I think it's a, a, a talent gap versus where his brain is, in my opinion. Uh, it just seems like a bit of an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, on to more positive note. Yeah, Buffon, not much to do. Uh, so, but obviously he always sort of, uh, you know, gives you an air of confidence, which is quite nice. Um, for the defence as a unit, played quite well. Um I think like Kimpembe, I'd forgot I said that I wasn't worried in the first half, but um, as Mel just pointed out, I think uh, he was quite lucky perhaps not to get a red card because he was really living right on the edge. I mean, you know, I don't think had a few Man United fans tweeting me saying, mm, he should have gone off, blah, 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 blah. I don't think it was, I don't think he should obviously have been sent off, but I think on another day he could have been in trouble. So I think that, that's just, you know, it's part of his game that he needs to work on for sure. 
But I thought um, Thiago Silva was really good, actually. Um, just sort of, I mentioned earlier that I thought they were playing in front of us quite a lot. And I think a lot of that was down to him and sort of organising the defence. Um, I don't like Danny Alves very much, but I thought he had a good game. So well done to him. Congrats. Um, Vivati and Marquinhos, we've covered off uh, quite in depth. Um, I think the left side's really interesting. And Guillaume, you were sort of singing Bernat's praises earlier. And yeah. um, I would agree um I think it's really interesting the sort of move that him and well in this case it was Di Maria but sometimes it's Neymar as well do where the the forward pulls really wide and you see Bernat like in the middle of the field like not where you'd expect a left back to be at all and they sort of seem to I think that must be something they work on because it happens quite a lot and he's actually really effective doing that and uh that's something which is quite impressive considering he's sort of well, he was basically a budget signing, wasn't he? he was just We just got him because he was available and we needed someone. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, what can you say about Mbappe? I mean, just, just an incredible player. Like, just the stuff he can do, the pace, the technique, the the mentality is just out of this world. I mean, even, even like, I thought in the first half he was not really on it, but just how he just sort of in the second half just repeatedly hurt them and I thought I mean you've talked about his comments afterwards before I thought one of the telling things he said was oh you know the first sort of after the first question he was like oh yeah it was good but I should have had a hat-trick really and that's that's the mentality isn't it that gets you that makes you one of the best in the world always wanted a bit more never being satisfied and I mean to have that at his age is that sort of maturity to reflect on your own game is 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 going to make him a special player isn't it so yeah I mean no I think Traxler, it's a bit frustrating. I've, I often feel this with him. Like, he does a lot of nice stuff, but he doesn't really affect the game as well as he could do. And I think, I don't know if that, perhaps that's what you were you were getting at just now, Mel, that he really needs to sort of be decisive rather than just being a sort of nice player that sort of does nice stuff but isn't really sort of critical to, to, to the things we do. So, yeah. Um, exactly, exactly. Um, but I think overall, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really mark any of them down. I thought it was a great night and uh, a really good team performance. So uh, Levin Kurzawa is about to come in just to make Mel look bad. <laughs> That's the only well, reason. They're taking what? Julian Draxler off because he's been uh, pretty but ineffective. So I think I win either. <laughs> Seventy <laughs> uh, ninth minute. Uh, Saint-Etienne zero, Paris Saint-Germain zero. Um, I'm going to give special mentions rather than going um, player by player. I think overall the, the whole team performed remarkably. The only special mention, negative special mention, I will give to Kimpembe, who, who, has, to, who has to control his, his defensive interventions. Um, he was really lucky, and we we got to speak. We got to talk about the luck factor, which is not, I think, decisive in the the story of this game. It's not because we were lucky that we want to know, but not having um, Kimpembe expelled was a little lucky. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but Mar- Martial and Ingard injuries were pretty good events for us. It, it, was, uh, it played rather in our favor than the opposite. But um, a special mention to Bernat. He's um, up his defensive 
abilities in Champions League, Champions League games. He, he ups everything. His football IQ, his, his confidence, his passing. He becomes a, a better player in, in big Champions League games. Well, there's no small Champions League games, um, apparently, anymore. Um, and a special mention to him. I don't think he was you know, the best player on the pitch, but the second goal starts with uh, Bernard's inspiration. Kimpembe sees him, and the whole action starts there. Special mention to Kylian Mbappé for being Kylian Mbappé again. <laughs> I mean, you just can't believe it. I can't... I. I still cannot come to terms with this. What the hell? Do you want an Mbappe update from the St. Etienne game? Yeah. He just scored a a goal. No. Yeah, true story. Really? Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. My stream is behind yours. Oh, my God. This guy. Matt can say it. I can confirm it. And then you can celebrate it when you see it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) What a what a what a oh, guy! Lovely. And so then my, runs over to the runs over to the players' tribune section, players' seating area to celebrate. Right, just wants to celebrate with his people. Oh, oh, we love him, we love him so much. Um, so let's talk about those luck factors. Forty uh, fourth minute. I forgot who, who went out first. Was it uh, Martial first? No. No, it was. Oh, oh, what a goal! Oh my God! Oh my God! Who, who, who could have seen that coming? Okay. Well, and 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 you know, I I I feel about Danny Alves the way that that Matt feels about Danny Alves. I, I had a certain view of him before he got to PSG, and that hasn't really been changed, uh, even though he's on our side. But I can tell you that if, one of the best players in the world at Having his head up, mm, yeah, to make to, to, give, to make the distribution even before he gets the ball. Yeah, no, it sh- should have been in my list of special mentions. Let 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 let's spend. Keep. I don't want to interrupt you. Keep, keep going on, Alves. But I, I got to add. I got to add to it. No, that that that's all because he he got the assist today, and I just it just reminds me that you know that's a reason to have him on your team, other than you know his his uh, consolidation of the Brazilian contingent and, and all that, that that means. But but more than that, um, just a player that, that you, when, you remind, you, when you remind yourself what makes up class, it's little things like that. It's little things like even as the ball is coming to me and I know what I'm going to do with it, I got my head up and I can, I can make the volley pass to, to, and, and with such technique as to, to free up Achillian Mbappe to do what he just did. So, so I... I... Shame on me not to put him in my uh, special mention list. So, right after being shredded to pieces by Lyon and having an awful game, at the age of 36, 37, I don't even know, Alves pulls a performance like this. Um, Alves was at 110% the whole game, physically, mentally, technically, tactically. He did, he protected... There's a reason why Kerr also locked his wing. There was Alves in front of him. Alves did everything perfectly. Um, he was, of, of course, defensive-minded. He's a defender. Every duel, he was at 120%. Every pass, he was putting some thought about it. And then, what would be 
really, really good. It's, uh, you know, 80, 85th minute. Things are looking good. Oh, yeah, no, there's still something we could do. For example, getting the best player of the opposition um, suspended for the next game. That would be a good thing to do. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold my beer. You know the beer that Dimaya almost uh, drank when, he, when he, it was thrown at him? Hold that beer. Here is Alves going on <laughs> Pogba. <laughs> I mean, for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, go um, go find uh, a replay of the game. Fast forward to the 90th minute and look what Alves did to Pogba. This is evil genius. And that's Danny Alves for you. This is the Champions League, guys. Uh, he has, um, I don't know how many games. He, he had more Champions League games than any... I think both team combines or something like that. He's got that experience of great competitions. Yeah, okay, it's not, you know, on the ethical point of view. <laughs> and like you said, Mel, I mean, let's remember when uh, we were playing Barcelona and he was, he was playing for Barcelona and, the, the, you know, you see that guy, you, you hate him. But now you love having him uh, in the team. I mean... He brings so much experience and, and, and he's got that incredible winning mentality. So there we are, um, Danny Alves in the special mention. Again, what an what a unbelievable performance we had. Can we, can we do it again? I think we can. Mel, do you agree? Do you share that mentally, technically, physically? Not sure. Um, bench depth, no. We have reached what was needed to be reached at all these levels to be a clear contender in the Champions League. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. I feel like, you know, some of these other clubs that have Champions League pedigree, you know, their fans are able to take a position like this that we're in and take it far more for granted than we've been able to take it. Um, but I feel like we're getting into that place. We're getting into that place where Real Madrid fans are when they go to Manchester United and win 2 nothing, and then they have a game at home. Uh, there's a certain expectation of what's going to happen at that point. Um, if you're a Barcelona fan, if you're a Bayern Munich fan, um, you sort of um, say, okay, you know, we've done the work away, and then we're going to conclude the work at home, and there's a certain supreme level of confidence that that's going to happen. Um, and I'm beginning to have that feeling. Um, I'm beginning to have that feeling because um, in different ways, in different tests, time in and time out, uh, this club this year uh, is configured in such a way where it hasn't met the challenge. And um, for me, uh, what that means is not only uh, do I have a high level of confidence for the return, uh, the home leg uh, versus Manchester United, but I, you know, I uh, I look forward to you know whoever uh, the next matchup is, uh, and and that you know we sort of have a right this year as fans to have confidence in the approach of the coaching staff um, and the approach of the players. Um, it's been the right approach, and and this is you know we've never really had um, we you know last year we had him on loan, but this year we have our full fledged Kylian Mbappe, um, a year older. Um, we have a Neymar who uh, is 27, but through somebody like Kylian Mbappe is remembering how to love the game again. Um, 
we have we have the ingredients um and i i feel like we can there there's no why not us is the question mm-hmm. now it's not it's not you know i'm hoping against hope the question is looking at all the other clubs why not us sure and you know what would have also a little bit of luck at the draw as always always you know why not porto um this year in quarterfinals instead of real madrid barcelona that That'd be nice. Give us Tottenham. Give us Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Matthew. It'd be quite amusing if we like, had to beat Premier League teams all the way to the final. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine what that would do for like the Farmers League narrative? It'd just be hilarious. Like, I, would end up, I would end up getting a T-shirt. No doubt. Uh, man, that would be amazing. I would just laugh so much. Anyway, um, yeah, why not us indeed? Um, I'll sound a note of caution that I think that our squad depth is obviously not, even if you bring back Neymar, Cavani and Mounier, it is not what it could be in terms of midfield. And I do sort of worry that mm. it's sort of one injury away. One, for, I know like Marquinhos was amazing on last Tuesday, uh, but I do worry if Ferrati gets injured or even like Paredes now, if he gets injured, then we don't really have any, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lot of cover, do we? And um, so with that caveat, I sort of do, I feel more confident uh, than I have in previous years, just for the reasons we've discussed. And like, it seems like we have an obvious plan. It seems like everybody knows what they're doing. It seems like the plan can change as well from week to week, depending on what scenario. And, uh, and yeah, and I mean, we've done all this without Neymar and I saw some absolutely horrible takes in the, um, in the media saying, Oh, look how much better PSG are when Neymar's not playing. It's like, no mate, if we'd had Neymar, we'd have probably won that like four five or five nil. nil and yeah. then, like everybody would be saying how amazing we are I don't I mean it's like people like don't actually watch what Neymar does on the pitch and they just sort of think that they know what he's like because as far as I'm concerned he can he's shown this season that he as much as anyone can play as a as a you know hard-working team member you know we know that he's got that sort of egotistical streak and blah blah but I don't think that prevents him from working as part of a functional team and uh you know with the potential of him coming back in with Cavani, who gives you another, you know, a different dimension. Uh, yeah, there's every reason to be optimistic, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, being a PSG fan, we know that when things are looking good, they can often turn bad quite quickly. So uh, I don't want to get too complacent. But yeah, certainly this is, I feel, I feel we're as well placed as we have been at any point in the Qatari sort of era to, to go deep into the Champions League. Uh, Mr. Gooding, you, you're such a wise man. Uh, very good point. Uh, we, we are a couple of injuries away. It's not because Tuchel found in an away game a solution to Neymar's absence that he's, he's going to find a solution for any absence. And because we have uh, up front uh, some choices of great quality players, uh, when one is injured, well, then Di Maria can step up Uh, he's so versatile and, and, oh, that's something we also didn't mention is how versatile our players are and how it, it plays into Tuchel's advantage. Players like Alves, uh, like Kerr, like Di Maria, Marquinhos. I mean, you know, it's not magic. There's a reason why Tuchel can adapt is because he wants and has a lot of versatile players. But anyway, imagine Marquinhos being injured now. If it goes away, we are in so much trouble. 
So, yeah, we are one injury away from not being there anymore. One or two. Imagine if Thiago Silva gets injured. Uh, yes, you, uh, was it you, Mel, or uh, Matthew, who mentioned Silva as uh, you know, w- another great performance by Thiago Silva? We, we go very easy, uh, easily uh, into cri- criticizing Silva when he makes a mistake. Uh, I mean, let's not forget when he doesn't and has games like this. So, yeah, we, it's still fragile. But we've been plagued by so many unlucky events all these years. It could be the year where we stop being unlucky, where we, we reach that level of performance, uh, get a bit of luck in the draw, and uh, at least reach a semifinal of the Champions League. We'll be happy uh, with that. I would like to briefly talk about the return game, your expectations, and maybe some score prediction. Uh, Mel? See, I believe that, that we're going to duplicate what we did at Old Trafford score-wise. I think that we're going to win at home 2-0. Um, I think that we are going to have a similar uh, dynamism uh, at the beginning of each half from Manchester United in an attempt to... Um, replace talent uh, with uh, moxie um, and they will come at us chase us down we'll manage it they'll run themselves out and then our talent will show uh, as we pass around an exhausted uh, squad Uh, I think that's what's going to happen I think the scorers will be uh, Mbappe with a brace Um, and I uh, I look forward to uh, managing effectively. Uh, I know Matt right now is thinking, just be quiet. You're just jinxing the whole thing. And if bad things happen, I will have to come back on and, and, and own that. Um, but I just really believe in, in this year's squad and this year's um, uh, staff. Um, and I think that they see themselves the right way which is um, um, we can't be complacent. We have to show every single time who we are, and I think that's what we're going to do next time. Fair enough. Mr. Gooding? Yeah, I remember when we did the podcast before the second leg of the Barcelona game. No, 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 no. I'm just going to say it because this can't, it can't, it can't hurt us what we talk about here. It's not, maybe. That we said, oh, it would be the most PSG thing in the world to lose 6-0 or whatever. And uh, then it kind of happened. So, um, but It's, I think it's different. Quite, it's different. We're playing, different, ho- we're playing say, at home. This, this is a completely different scenario. We're at home. They're not at Barcelona. They haven't got Messi. Uh, they haven't got UEFA on their side, probably, etc. Um, so I think that we will... I think it's going to be a draw. I think even... Probably one all, I think. Um, I think we'll get the first goal and then I'll pretty much kill it off and they might get back into it because they'll be sort of going for it. But I think I think we'll go through fairly comfortably. Uh, as I said to you, I think they're, they're obviously they're not a bunch of idiots. They're a good team. They've got really good players. Uh, but they're not going to have Pogba. They might not have Marshad or Lingard either. Um, and I think we'll just have a bit too much for them. So, yeah, hopefully quite a comfortable evening not too nervous and then we can all look forward to the to the next round obviously we i think we can't afford to get complacent i don't think 
I think the mentality of the, um, of the squad and of the coaching staff, as Mel's just alluded to there, is not going to allow that to happen. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a fairly comfortable evening. Well, I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't think Tuchel... I mean, when you see... Remember Tuchel against Villefranche in... in yeah, he was going mad, wasn't he? But he, is that's how that's he exactly, is. That's exactly my point, right. He's, he's intense. Every game... He wants the team to perform. There's a level, he's demanding a level of performance and involvement from, from all the players on the pitch. And that's it. Um, so, no, there's no way that the, 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 the team and the staff doesn't prepare this game as a, as a big game in the Champions League and they will be there to deliver and perform. But each football game is a story and... Uh, even without Pogba, they have they have very very good players, and sometimes things happen, and they may they may score, then they're up one no, but they have to win by three goals. So it's fair to say that it's not going to happen. Uh, no, I'm not going to jinx it. They're not they're not going to beat us by 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 three goals, and uh, I think we will play at our level, and despite. The fact that yeah things can happen, uh, we yeah we'll it's going to be at least a draw, probably a victory, and we'll be in quite a final. What a great feeling! Um, I wanted to mention that in closing, I've noticed recently that League One teams against us, even if they they are very uh, rough, and that's a, that's an issue. I mean League One. The, the, I think Neymar was saying that phys- physically the players are like two meters tall and 100 kilos. There's, there's like huge guys everywhere. The physical level of League One is, is quite shocking. Um, we've been bullied a bit and they've, they've been hitting our players. But, and, and, and we'll close on that and, and tell me if you agree with me. They're playing. They're trying. Even Guingamp. Um, they are playing against us and their, their level of involvement um, at every level. We're, we're pulling, I have the feeling we're pulling League One up. When, when League One teams play us, they believe more than they, they ever have the past six years. The Saint-Étienne game, well, at least when they play at home. The Saint-Étienne game right now is a perfect example. And this is great. They give us a, a, a good challenge. Would you, did you share that feeling? Am I del- delusional, Mel? No, I think I think this year, you know, two things are happening. One is um, uh, officials are allowing a little bit more play against us, even than I would like. But I understand it because of what you said—the commitment of league on teams to uh, challenge the champions, um, to test themselves a bit against the champions, and that's only good for the league. Um, you know. Uh, we want we want to see, uh, you know, a league uh, that uh, positions itself uh, to compete effectively at all levels. And you know, when when the clubs that are you know running second through sixth uh, challenge themselves against the champions and and the near champions, um, then they're better uh, for the European competition. They're better for the coefficient which is better for everybody. So I'm, I'm happy to see it. I do see it this year. Um, I 
you know, I don't want the officials. I want the officials to to make sure that um, the rough, the kicking up of our star players gets punished. But I do like to see teams going for it. So, and I do think that a little bit more than this year than than previous years. Yes, Matt. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, you're not delusional, Guillaume, don't worry. Um, oh, not, on, not on this, not on this. <laughs> exactly, Thank you. no, no, on this particular issue, you're okay. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think it's been quite a good season this year. I think, like, last year was probably the worst it's been in terms of teams just not trying against us, really. It just felt a lot of the games, um, I remember Lille particularly just turning up and just not, like lifting the leg like and we beat them pretty comfortably and it was just a complete non-event whereas this year most teams seem to at least have a go I mean quite often they can't keep it up because we've got better players than them which is always likely to happen but yeah definitely I think uh hopefully it is a case of the level of the league being lifted and not just a sort of you know a trend that sort of will come and go sort of thing because I think everybody would like to see more teams sort of competing with PSG and it's not a it's not good for anyone for us to have a like a 20 point lead and have it done and dusted by you know December sort of thing so so yeah absolutely I think the thing which I'd like to see now is a bit more consistency from the other top teams I think particularly of Leon just like you see the level they can play at when they played against us the other week and then you see them like dropping points in ridiculous games and you think well if they could sort of if they could win those easy games or easier games, uh, then we might have an actual proper title race. Whereas yeah. it seems like a lot of the other sort of a lot of the other big teams uh, can't sort of match that consistency in the sort of in the other games. Whereas you would sort of like to see them do it a bit more. I mean, I'd also much as it's funny how terrible they are. It'd also be nice if Marseille were a bit closer to us, wouldn't it? Just for in terms of a sporting sort of contest and having the two like biggest teams in France, you know, at the top of the league. So there's definitely some work to be done in, in those sort of areas. And obviously you look at Monaco's situation as well. I mean, they shouldn't really be where they are and it'll be interesting to see whether, whether Jardim can, can keep them up sort of thing. But I definitely think this has been a good year. And I think if it is a trend for the sort of style of matches, then, then long may it continue because I think it, it does us good to be tested and it makes for a better, better product for everyone to watch. No doubt. No doubt. And, um, Eventually, you would think Marseille is going <laughs> to stop sucking. And, I mean, yeah. eventually. Um, did, Monaco, you see, um, did you see Balotelli was on Twitter on Tuesday night and he was basically celebrating that Man United had lost because uh, he used to play for Man City, obviously. And uh, I don't think anyone's told him that he plays for Marseille and like celebrating yeah. the PSG win is not a, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, but eventually Marseille will probably stop sucking like this. Uh, Monaco is having such a weird year, but they're going to stay in League One. Uh, yeah, Jordan is back. Lille, um, Lille uh, some, some positive things are happening. Rennes, yeah. some vaguely positive things are happening. I think League One overall um, is, is on the rise. I think Bundesliga... Uh, is on a, on a decline in terms of performance. Um, that's looking good. And there's no doubt a bit more competition um, would be beneficial for everybody, including Paris Saint-Germain. Guys, and don't, um, forget, don't forget that we, you know, in Ligue 2, right now in, in fourth position is Paris FC. 
So. Oh yeah, it's true. That'd you be know, something. They, that would be an interesting derby match. Very it would be. It would be wonderful. Um, perfect. Perfect timing. The game just uh, ended at uh, Geoffroy Guichard, the mythic uh, stadium of Association Sportive de Saint-Etienne, after a, a, a very nice game, a very good League One game, un unbelievable goal by Mbappé. Uh, Tuchel's face after Mbappé's goal is something to, uh, to witness. His reaction was priceless. Um, we, we've done it again. Uh, thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mr. Gooding. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon.